Have you ever heard about the time that I almost got involved in a cult? It was as a young adult, I graduated from high school, had not yet headed off to college, and I ran across this magazine that was obviously about faith and about the scriptures, and I picked it up and started reading, and long and short of it is that I didn't know it at the time, but it was a cult that was putting out this magazine, and it was challenging a lot of uh, my faith and practices, my belief and, and how I exercised my faith. And one of the things that they pointed out was, according to them, it was not pleasing to God to celebrate certain holidays. And I remember uh, wrestling with that because I knew that, you know, if God didn't want me to celebrate certain holidays or do certain things, my heart's desire uh, was to honor God and to do what he wanted me to do. And if that meant that we weren't going to celebrate a certain holiday, then that's what I would do. I knew that that would be a challenge because everybody else I knew, my family, everything, uh, everything that I was used to, where, you know, that would make a big change in my life. But I was willing to do that because I just wanted to follow Jesus and do what was pleasing to God. Well, long and short of it is, in addition to that and other issues that they brought up, I realized that what I was reading in these magazines and from this organization did not line up with the scriptures. And I remember, for example, this verse really jumped out to me. This is Colossians 2.16 says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a religious festival, a holy day, a holiday. And so this, along with some other scriptures was telling me, look, uh, in in essence, it's saying it it doesn't matter whether you celebrate or don't celebrate a particular holiday. In another passage, and I believe it's in Romans, it says that, you know, some people will celebrate, some people won't, but they're all doing it to the Lord and that's okay. So it was taking what I was hearing and then lining it up to the scripture and seeing that there was a discrepancy that kept me safe and kept me on track and was what rescued me and prevented me from getting wrapped up in a cult. Now, the, the kind of cool thing about this is that group that was a cult has since rejected their unorthodox heretical teachings and become... Uh, an Orthodox Christian denomination. So that's kind of cool. But, and they went through the same process. They saw what the scriptures said. They saw what they had been taught and they rejected that in favor of the scriptures. And then another verse that jumped out to me was this one in Romans 14, verse five. It says, one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. In other words, it doesn't really matter what holidays you celebrate, He's saying, as long as you're doing it to the Lord, if you don't celebrate, you're doing it to honor the Lord. If you do celebrate, you're doing it to honor the Lord. That's what really matters. And by aligning what I was being taught and what I was hearing and lining it up compared to God's word, I was able to stay on track, to stay out of error and to clearly discern what I needed to do. And that kept me safe. It kept me out of a cult. 
So I bring up that story because today we're going to be talking about God's word and we're going to be talking about how the teaching that we hear keeps us on track. Remember, we're in a series in the gospel of Mark. So that's the story of Jesus. And it is, uh, there were two main themes, king and cross. In the first part, we're talking about how Jesus becomes uh, demonstrates his his kingship, and then in the second half, talking about how he implements, how he inaugurates the kingdom of God. And one of the things we've already touched on is that the popular conception of the Christ or Messiah was that he was the promised kingly representative of God who would set his people free and put things right. So that was what was expected. However, the way that Jesus went about it was completely different. So in this first half, we looked at this graphic last week, first half of the book, it's all about who Jesus is as king. And then the second half is all about how he brings about the kingdom of God. And that is through the cross. And you have that transition where he is identified as the Christ and Messiah in the middle. And remember, the popular conception was that the Christ or Messiah was going to be this conquering king who was going to come in and kick the Romans out at the point of the spear. But Jesus' way of accomplishing it was different. He was going to come to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's from Mark 10, 45. So Jesus is the king, but he secures his victory through the cross. So with that in mind, he had this popular perception of who he was and what he was going to do that he had to correct and redirect the people in order to keep them on the right track. So last week we talked about, well, how, how did Jesus go about his ministry? And we talked about three major aspects that he taught, that people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with authority. And these are all from the first chapter of Mark. So he was this amazing teacher that everybody was drawn to his teaching. He also healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. So he demonstrated his authority over sickness, disease, and enemy spirits. Uh, uh, so he was healing people. And at the same time, he was drawing close to his heavenly father in prayer. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. Mark 1.35. So here you have the perfect sinless son of God, God in the flesh, who has come. He has come with the purpose of establishing his kingdom, rescuing his people. He is going around as an amazing teacher. He's doing all kinds of good in healing people and delivering people. And he also has this amazing relationship with his heavenly father. He's focused in prayer and has intimacy with his heavenly father. So you would think, you know, anybody that is who he is and does what he does, things would be going great, right? So let's see how things are going. Let's look at Mark chapter three and see the kind of response that Jesus got to being an amazing teacher, going around healing people and having an intimate relationship with God. Uh, this is Mark 3, 6. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill 
Jesus. So here you have these two groups, the Pharisees who were religious leaders and the supporters of Herod. These were the uh, political people who were really into politics and they are uh, united in a way that they usually would not be united at any other time or place or around any other cause, but they are absolutely sure that they don't want Jesus around. They want to get rid of him. This is uh, Democrats and Republicans. This is Antifa and QAnon coming together to accomplish something. And what do they agree on? We got to get rid of Jesus. And then he gathers his disciples. Well, what's the last name on the list? Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. So Jesus gathers 12 people who he's going to pour his life into and teach and serve. And the end result of that is that this one is going to betray him. Uh, And I'm thinking at this time, you know, and maybe you fall into this trap as well. Sometimes we think, you know, if I just did everything right, if I could say the right thing, if I could make the right decision, if I could uh, just do everything well, then everybody would love me and everybody would get along with me. Here you have Jesus, who is the perfect sinless son of God, who disappoints people, gets people angry, and eventually gets killed for his trouble. So maybe that'll be encouraging to you. Uh, let's see. Well, what about your family? Family, the friends you didn't choose. Here are Jesus' family. What do they think about what's going on? When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. So yeah, He's crazy, so we need, to, we need to go and rescue him before he causes any more trouble. That was his family's perspective. Well, what about the people who really knew the Bible, who were studying, who were uh, teaching it? These people knew the Bible inside and out. They certainly would recognize Jesus for who he is. Well, the teachers of religious law, the scribes, who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed He's possessed by Satan. So you can see that even though Jesus is who he was and was doing all of these good things, he still was encountering all kinds of opposition. So if you're one of his early disciples, if you're one of the crew that he's gathered around and you're expecting, you know, when, when God sends his Messiah, his Christ to rescue his people, to deliver them, to Uh, fulfill all the promises that have been made, then certainly everyone's going to be on board with that. Everyone is going to love that. Everybody is going to join in on that. And then they see all this opposition and family thinks he's crazy. Uh, The religious leaders are conspiring with the political leaders to kill him. What is going on? Is Jesus really who he says he is? Is he able to accomplish what he says he is going to accomplish? And so from chapter three, we move into chapter four, which is one of the largest sections of Jesus' teaching in the book of Mark. Mark's gospel is actually uh, remarkable and noted by and marked by the fact that there's not a lot of Jesus teaching in it. There are a couple of passages, but for the most part, it's all action. It's all the narratives and the scenes and stories from Jesus' life. But Mark includes 
this section of teaching in Mark chapter 4 in order to kind of explain what has been going on in the opposition and show his readers, as Jesus showed his early disciples, what's going on. And what is he doing? He's giving them insights. And that's what we are talking about today. Because all of us need insight. You might be in a situation where you're facing a decision and you need insight, you need wisdom, you need guidance for a particular situation. And I believe that God wants to give you that wisdom and guidance and insight. He wants to direct you. He's he's going to speak specifically to you. In general, we just need wisdom. We need principles in order to navigate through life successfully. And where are we going to get that insight? And how, uh, how do we think about the world? Because the way that we think about the world is going to determine the way that we interact with the world. And if we get it right, then things are going to go well. But if we don't get it right, then things are not going to go well. You know, gravity is going to work whether you believe in it or know about it or not. And just because you say you don't believe in it or just because you don't know about it doesn't mean that you won't fall if gravity kicks in. So you need insight. We all need insight. And, and if you have a loving heavenly father who wants what's best for you, who has provided that insight and guidance that you need in his word, through relationship with him, through his son, Jesus Christ, and in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you're that loving heavenly father, you want your children to know what they need to know. And it's just not right that people who have the option and opportunity to get God's wisdom on things can go through life ignorant of it and have it absent from their life and suffer the consequences as well. So today, as we talk about insight, here's what we're going to say. And these are actually Jesus' words to his disciples from Mark chapter four. And that is that the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. The closer that you listen, the more understanding you will be given. So let's look at it together. This is Mark chapter four, verses three to nine. And then picking up at verse 21 through verse 32. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation if you want to follow along. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun since it didn't have deep roots and it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was thirty, sixty, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then he said, Anyone with ears to hear, should listen and understand. Then picking up at verse 21. Then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. 
For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought into the light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't understand how it happens. The earth produces crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus said, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you would give us insight and understanding and wisdom that we need. Lord, I thank you for your word and thank you for preserving it. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit, which resides, who resides in every single believer, the author of scriptures, giving us insight into the scriptures and applying it to our lives and hearts specifically. I pray that you would give each of us exactly what we need to know, the insight that we need from what we look at today, and give us the courage and faith to act on it accordingly. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, so let's look at this together. Remember I said the bottom line came from this passage, and it comes from Mark 4.24. In fact, let's try to memorize it together. It's pretty simple. Uh, If you're following along, listening, watching, wherever, just say it with me. The, it's at start with the verse reference and then end with it. That kind of cements it in your brain. Mark 4.24. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. Mark 4.24. Mark 4.24. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. Now, if you're reading another translation, you might notice that it says something like, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, what the New Living Translation has done is uh, interpreted that a little bit for you so that you understand the meaning behind what he's saying. What, what does measure, what, what is he talking about? Well, what he's basically saying is this, Mark 4, 24, the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. So if you measure out a good amount of listening, then you're going to get back a good measure of understanding. And so the application the, that what we're supposed to do, he actually gives us beforehand in the first part of that verse when he says, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. So Mark 4.24, the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. Mark 4.24 and the application of that. So let's pay close attention. Let's listen. 
And so the challenge that I'm going to give you today is to figure out some way to give more attention to God's word. You're already doing a great job of that. You're listening to Cornerstone online. You're watching along. We are a biblically based church, so we're always going to be talking about God's word, focusing on God's word, rooting everything that we believe and do and teach in God's word. But there are different ways life journaling, memorizing, etc., that you can do to focus your attention so that when that time comes, when you need insight or wisdom, you will have a ready reservoir of wisdom to pull from. So uh, let's give some attention to God's word. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice here is when it's talking about listening, it's not just talking about sound waves hitting your ears. Listening in the scriptures implies doing. And we kind of do this as well. You know, if you've heard a parent talking to his kid, why don't you ever listen to me? He's not saying, he, the mom or dad is not saying, the, the sound waves never hit your ears. Why aren't you listening to me? No, it's you hear what I say, but you're not doing what I've asked you to do. Well, in the scriptures, it's kind of the same thing. Whenever it talks about prayer and it says God hears our prayers. It's not just that he's omniscient and he knows what we've prayed. It suggests that he's hearing our prayer. Therefore, he's about to act on it. And in the same way, when Jesus is talking about hearing, he is encouraging our doing something with it as well. So whenever you see listening or hearing in the scriptures, it usually implies doing, responding, doing something about it. And this is the kind of thing that Jesus talked about. Uh, this is actually a verse from John, the gospel of John. In John seven seventeen, Jesus says, anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak from my own. In other words, if you're not sure what to think about Jesus and his teaching, then try it out, do something with it, and then it will become clear to you where his teaching comes from. So let's go back to uh, Mark chapter four. Remember the setup. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Messiah, but he's getting all kinds of negative responses and reactions, which would suggest maybe to the disciples, I'm not so sure about this. And then also remember that Mark was written to a group of disciples later, a couple of decades later, who were undergoing, undergoing persecution. And so it would be very natural for them to say, what's going on here? If we are really in the right, if God is on our side, why is everything going wrong? So they needed that insight. What Jesus is doing here is providing insight to his disciples saying, no matter what kind of opposition we're facing, it, th there's a reason behind that. It's kind of to be expected. So he gives this parable of the four soils that are receiving the seed and what happens to that seed when uh, it encounters these different kinds of soil. And then in the next section, which I didn't read, he gives the explanation or the interpretation. So that's what I want to look at right now. He first off tells his disciples, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. In other words, 
this doesn't make sense to everyone. Now you, as my disciples, you're in on it. We, I, I'm going to explain it to you, but not everyone is going to get it. Not everyone is going to understand. And Jesus here uses this idea of a secret or a mystery much the way the Apostle Paul would pick up on much later, that it's not that it's something that God is trying to hide. It is rather something that was misunderstood or unknown that eventually now becomes unveiled. It is now apparent. So it's not that God is trying to hide it. It's just that some people don't understand it and it takes some time as well. So what Jesus is saying that the response to his ministry and his person makes sense because these these parables are going to show us that some will understand it now and eventually everyone will know, but it's going to take some time. That's what he's teaching his disciples through these different parables. And what he's saying in the midst of this is, like I said, that the closer you listen, in other words, if you pay attention, if you give your full attention to it, then you will have greater understanding. Mark 4.24, the closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. So then he goes on to explain that parable of the sower sowing seed, the farmer planting seed. In Mark 4.14, he explains that the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So the seed represents the message of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom, that Jesus is who he said he is. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. And that means for us that we can participate in his kingdom. And then he explains the different responses from the different uh, types of soil. In Mark 4.15, it says that the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Now, this was the, it fell on the path. It's beaten down because people are walking on it. So it's very easy for the birds come along. They see the seed, they pick it up, they carry it away. Why are birds related to Satan? What exactly? I have no idea, but we just know that some people, it doesn't take root because the word just gets snatched away. It never even has the opportunity to take root. So that's one kind of soil. Then the second soil, the seed that on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. These are people that are, you know, as soon as they hear about Jesus, they're excited about it. They're all on board, but it doesn't last. He says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. So this is explaining, you know, this is why sometimes disciples, when you give out the message, or when you see Jesus giving out the message, people receive it at once and they're all excited about it. But then two weeks later, they're nowhere to be found. Well, that's what happened. They don't have the deep roots. They're not, they're, they're not growing in that respect. Here's how he explains it in Mark four seventeen: They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So remember, Mark is writing to people who are experiencing the persecution under Nero in Rome. And he's saying, the reason that some of the people that were a part of our fellowship aren't around anymore is that they didn't have those deep roots. They encounter problems or encounter persecution, and then they're gone. 
And then he says, the seed that fell among the thorns represented those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So he's saying, you know, sometimes it's just the competition for our attention and our allegiance and our affections. And sometimes those things crowd out Jesus in the midst. And so what's the result of that? Last phrase of that verse, so no fruit is produced. And really that's ultimately what the crop is all about, is producing fruit. And then lastly he says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word. And then as a result, produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. So this is what we're aiming for. And this is why Jesus says, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the soil. It's the receptivity of the soil that is making the difference here. It's not that some seed was good and some seed is bad. All of the seed is good. The gospel, the message of Jesus, Jesus teaching his acts, his works, his fellowship with his heavenly father, teaching, healing, praying, all of that is good. But the reason that you see all these various different responses and the reason that not everyone is on board is because there are different kinds of soil out there. He's giving his disciples the insight that they need in order to understand what's going on. And implicit in that is the encouragement to be good soil, to be the kind of person who receives, who takes it deeply in, who doesn't allow other affections and attentions to crowd out what God wants to accomplish in their lives. And so he's saying, look, you know, it it does make sense because there are different kinds of people. They're going to have different kinds of responses, but eventually it is going to be clear. And that's what he makes clear in the next passage where he's talking about a lamp or a light. In Mark 4, 21, it says, then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Now, it, uh, an insight that will help us to understand what Jesus is saying there is that he uses wording that's a little bit odd. Literally, what he says there is, does a lamp come to be hidden? Now, we usually don't think about uh, a, you know, a lamp, do, it, it's kind of personifying the lamp. You know, a, a lamp doesn't decide where it goes or how it, how it comes into a room or where it gets placed in a room. But he says the purpose of light in a room is to bring light to the room. So we're not going to hide it or cover it because then it wouldn't be able to fulfill its purpose. But when he says that the light comes, What he's making clear is that the light represents him and that he came with a particular purpose. And that purpose was not to keep everything secret forever, but that because he's the light of the world, that his purpose is to share that light with everyone. So even though not everyone responds the way we would want, it's not because that's God's purpose because he, Jesus, came into the world to spread that light around. And then he even makes it more explicit in the next verse where he says, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. People might not understand now, 
It's going to take some time for, pe- for the kingdom to unfold, but it's, it's, it's going to be open. It's not going to be hidden forever. And that's another reason why it's important <clears throat> to pay attention. It's because the more, the closer that you pay attention, the sooner you will understand what's going on. Or as Mark 4.24 puts it, the closer you listen, the more understanding will be given. So he's also, he's already explained why not everyone is on board at the time. There are different soils. The seed is good, but there are different kinds of soil out there. It's not going to be this way forever. He is going to reveal himself. It's going to be clear because a light doesn't come into the room to be hidden. And then lastly, he tells them, but it's going to take some time. And that's the point of that parable about the farmer. And although he's planted and he's watching, it just kind of takes some time for the, for the crop to mature. In Mark 4.28, he says, he describes this growing process. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally, the grain ripens. And so he says, you know, it's gradual, it's progressive, it takes some time. So probably the popular expectation is the Messiah shows up, there's a battle, enemy is driven away, he's restored to the, the, the kingship, and everything is fine. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not going to be real quick like that. It's going to take some time. So again, he's giving them the insight that they need to understand what's going on. And then the last point that he makes is that even though things are going to start out small, eventually it's going to spread. That he uses, for that illustration, he uses the mustard seed. He says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. Now, in their perception, mustard seed was, was proverbial for a small seed. They're just a little tiny grain. It's the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. So it goes from being this little seed that a bird could snack on to being a tree that a bird could live in. It's going to start out small, but it's going to grow. And that's how the kingdom of God works as well. So you can see how in this passage, uh, this particular section of teaching that Mark is showing that Yes, Jesus is the king that he said he is, but their perception was wrong. They needed insight, wisdom, and understanding in order to recognize Jesus for who he is. And in the same way, I'm going to encourage you that if you are not yet following Jesus, to understand that he is the perfect sinless son of God, who is the king, who is now reigning and ruling in heaven and eventually will return to judge the earth and everyone in it. He has gone to the cross to establish his kingdom by giving his life as a ransom for us so that our sins and the punishment thereof could have been put on him on the cross so that the forgiveness that we needed and could not secure for ourselves could be granted because of what he did on the cross. And then 
you can become a part of the family of God, citizens in his kingdom and members of his family so that you can hear his voice, hear, get the wisdom that you need and be a part of his family. And so that's why every week, for those that have not yet crossed the line of faith, I encourage you to commit your life to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. When you say yes to him, you're saying yes to his kingship, that he's the boss and he gets to call the shots. You're saying yes to the cross of Christ, that what he did on the cross is going to count for us so that our sins can be forgiven. And as a result of that, we are adopted into his family. We get the Holy Spirit to live and reside in us so that we can know his thoughts and draw close to him and get the understanding and wisdom that we need. So if you are, have not yet done that, I would encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Click the button to commit your, that indicates that you're committing your life to him. Text the word yes to our church number wherever you are and however you're listening. Text yes to 603-225-2550. We want to, you to do that so that we can, number one, celebrate with you because this is the best decision that you will ever make. And secondly, we want to resource you. We want to help you along to make progress in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. And so let us know so that we can do that as well. So you'll see here in the midst of this, just like Mark 4.24 says, the closer you listen, the more understanding will be given. Closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. And so that's why the challenge for today, based on that, is to give some more attention to God's word. You're already giving some attention. You're watching or listening right now. But in order to get the insight you need, in order to have the principles right there at hand, in order to see things from God's perspective so that you're not on your own and without the insight and wisdom that you need when you need it, you give more attention to God's word. There are a variety of things that you can do. And I'm going to suggest that you go to, if you would need some ideas, to this page on our website, cornerstonenh.org slash 1117. 1117 is the serial number episode uh, for Cornerstone Online. And on that page, you'll find all kinds of ideas of how to give more attention to God's word. It might be establishing or reestablishing a daily devotional habit, doing life journeys so that you're not only reading or respond, but also responding to God's word. It might be finding an app that's going to help you to kind of put God's word in your mind and, and right before you at all times. It might be an app that helps you to memorize God's word or a particular process for doing that. Uh, there are all kinds of ideas, all kinds of ways, but figure out some way to give some more attention to God's word. <clears throat> because I think the reason that God gave his word, the reason that we have it available to us is that he really wants you to have the wisdom and insight that you need to make good decisions so that your life goes well. If he's a loving heavenly father, he wants that for his children. And so what a tragedy it would be if the wisdom and insight that you needed was available and ready to go, 
but you never knew it because you didn't pay close enough attention. You didn't know what you needed to know when the time came. And then as a result, there's pain, suffering, broken relationships, challenges that you didn't need to go through. There's enough stuff you can't avoid, but what a tragedy if you add to those things that could be avoided, but they go through because we just weren't paying attention. I believe that God wants to give you the insight that you need to make the decisions that, uh, that you're facing well, to make good decisions and have a better life as a result. And it starts with following Jesus and knowing his word. And then in the process, because it's not all about us, when we do well because we're following God's principles, we end up bringing glory to God in the process. He gets the credit that he deserves and the honor that he is due. And that's what we want to see. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness that made your word available to us. Thank you, Lord, that just as Jesus saw that his disciples needed more insight and understanding into what was going on and then pulled them aside and taught them that in the same way, when we lack understanding or wisdom, that you make it available to us if we will just turn aside and listen. So I pray that you would help each one of us to know how to just infuse our lives with your word, to turn our attention, to listen with open ears and open hearts, and to respond with obedience and to do what you show us to do so that we can experience the blessing of knowing what you say to us and that because of that, you will receive honor and credit for all the good that you bring into our lives. We thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.